Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Home is where you should feel the safest. But the air there can be more dangerous. Up to five times more polluted than outside air. Let us help you take the steps towards making it a healthier home with our Bryant Indoor Air Quality Solutions. We can help with everything from whole home air purifiers to indoor humidity control. To schedule an evaluation of your home's air, visit bryant.com to find a local dealer. Bryant, whatever it takes. What's up, Hoop fans? Welcome into Episode 7 of Hoop Dreams. On today's episode, we have a special Boston Celtics edition, so I hope we got some Celtics fans out there listening. I have joining me, Ev Singleton. He is the host of the Unleashed podcast, uh, which is a Celtics podcast. Uh, he's a great guy, has some great insight on the Boston Celtics, the greatest franchise to ever be assembled in the NBA. Um, you're not going to want to miss this, especially you Celtics fans out there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode seven of Hoop Dreams. Joining me now, I have a very special guest. He is the host of Unleashed, uh, the best Celtics podcast around. Um, he is the fastest bear shot gunner of all podcasters and also the president of the Vinny P fan club. Uh, he is Ev Singleton. How did I do, man? Did I get that introduction right? I think you got it pretty right. Yeah, I like it. That's the uh, <laughs> first time that's ever happened. So <laughs> shout out to you. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, wanted to start out by uh, talking a little bit um about uh your podcast uh, unleashed um it's a great podcast for anybody who hasn't listened to it um it's obviously like i said a celtics podcast um how'd that come about have you been you know a celtics fan kind of your whole life and just wanted to put out some content of the greatest franchise uh that, that there's ever been um how'd, how'd you get into that yeah really I, I have been a celtics fan my whole life the the funny thing about the podcast was um i've done a few podcasts in the past and i do i go live after celtics games and um, I got a lot of comments and a lot of messages saying, hey, you should start a podcast like about stuff that's outside of the Celtics. And that's kind of where the Unleashed comes from. Like it was supposed to be a podcast about anything I wanted to talk about. And then I quickly realized, wow, I'm pretty one dimensional here and I can only talk Celtics. So Unleashed literally became the leashed version of me. And I talk about the Celtics. So um, kind of an ironic start to it, but I took it and ran with it and it's been pretty successful so far. And uh, yeah, I was just looking for a platform to, you know, document my, my takes, my, my stupid moments, my smart moments, anything like that. So it's really been something that started as fun and, uh, has just developed into something that I literally love doing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think one of the, the best things too, and, you know, I listen to the podcast as well. And I think one of the best things that I, I think about you is even though you're, you know, you're a big Celtics guy and, um, obviously love the team and can be a homer at sometimes, but you're very unbiased. Like, if the Celtics aren't doing something right or, you know, if they you think they should be doing something differently, it's like you're you're very, um, you know, you'll say like, hey, they're doing something wrong. You're not always the guy who like, oh, no, the Celtics are never wrong. Whatever they're doing is right. And I think that's that's huge in, in what you do and talking about them. Yeah, I, I kind of made a pact with myself when I started the podcast. I was going to I was going to be, I guess, me doing the podcast. You know, I wasn't going to try and please the audience per se. And, and weirdly enough, me, you know, taking it with with a no BS approach has has worked out. So people 
kind of like you just said, really appreciate the fact that, hey, you know what? I have some bad thoughts about this team, too. Even though I love them, I have some bad thoughts about this team, too. It's good to say, it's good to hear someone else say these things. Um, and, yeah, I've been super critical of them this year, and they've had a really good year. So it, it kind of kind of proves out that I'm just kind of saying what's in my head and doing my best to keep it real with anyone listening. Yeah, and like you said, they have had a really good year. I think they've uh, kind of exceeded everybody's expectations, uh, but they have had their moments. Uh, but a big reason they, they're in the uh, position that they are after losing Kyrie Irving and Al Horford in, in free agency this year was the addition of Kemba Walker. Um, and, and Kemba's been a huge part. Obviously, he was an all-star game starter this year. Um, he's been a huge part to the team. Um, but recently, before the break, he was uh, he missed you know the first eight games after the All-Star break, and, you know, he's had that lingering knee injury. Um, what's your take on Kemba? Because obviously he's a great player, and the Celtics are going to need him to make make a run if the season returns. Um, they won't be able to do it without out him. But um, in my, like my opinion is I think he needs to take care of his body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played 35 minutes in that All-Star game, which is a meaningless, meaningless game, and you know you have lingering injuries, um, and then you come out and you miss the first eight games after the break. Um, what's your take on Kemba? So it's it, this whole injury bug with him is so weird to me because he's been a guy that like is almost like an Iron Man throughout his career. He's already missed way more games this season than I think it was whenever I looked. It was like in the, than he had in the last four or five seasons combined. So it is a little weird. My overall take on him, and I'll touch on the injury thing first. I, I'm right there with you. Like I, I have been a a firm believer in the the idea of don't play in the All Star game if you're injured. I think you know we had a similar situation with Kyrie and stuff too. I, it's that's such a a BS thing to me. And I get it. These guys want to go. They want to bond. They want to meet other players and play with other players. But you can't come back and miss a bunch of games. And then also, sort of, you know, when you do come back, you're definitely, definitely not as good as you have been. So that I hold against him. But overall, this season, I think he's been incredible. And I think. Um, I don't think people give him the credit he deserves, even though he gets a lot of credit. But I think he's the guy that's opened up the court for Tatum and Brown um, and even Hayward to get better. Like he is such a superstar that doesn't need to be the superstar every game. You know, Kyrie Irving would not have been okay with Jason Tatum going off for what, almost 40 points against LA. But Kevin Walker was just like, yeah, I'll let this 20-year-old do whatever he wants. Like, he's about winning. He's he's open for other guys to do well. He just has a different mentality, and I think that that kind of goes overlooked. People look at his numbers and say, you know, he's a good scorer. He's a good player. Um, he can definitely, you know, score and whatnot. But I don't think they realize how instrumental he's been, at least in my opinion, to what Jason Tatum's accomplished, what Jalen Brown's accomplished. Kemba Walker could be holding them back, and that's what I want people to remember. If he wanted to come in and play like he played in Charlotte, he would be holding them back. But he has been a completely different player, an unselfish player, and he's let the future of our team really grow. So um, I just feel like people don't recognize that as much as they should. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I think Kemba's been um, bigger off the court, really, than he's been on the court. Um, as far as his attitude and whatnot, like you said, Kyrie last year, if he had any of the younger players outshining him, he would not have been happy with that. Um, and Kemba has openly voiced that he's okay with Jason Tatum going off for 30, 35 points. Um, he's okay with him taking the last shot. He's okay with him getting, um, multiple shots, uh, more shots than he does uh, throughout the flow of a game. Um, and just that confidence that, that he has in those guys. And I truly think that uh, Kemba thinks that Tatum's the best player on the team. Yeah. So he understands was, and he knows he's going to go through, you know, things have to go through Jason for them to be successful. 
Yeah, and I like that. There was that that when he first got signed, they had asked him, like, what are you going to teach these young kids like Tatum and Brown? And his first response was, they have more playoff experience with me. I think I'm going to be talking to them and asking them questions. And I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I couldn't fathom the fact that a multiple-time All-Star, a guy that is definitely regarded as one of the stars in this league and one of the better players in this league, openly said to the media within days of being here, yeah, I'm going to go talk to a 22- and 20-year-old. 20, uh, and see what they can teach me. That was like, all of a sudden, that was the moment. And I was confident in Kemba prior to this. But that was the moment I was like, holy crap. Like, this guy is going to fit here. Because there is a small, small handful of guys that are already stars willing to come in and say, yeah, I'll let a 20-year-old tell me um, what playoffs are like. Because he had more experience. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find many superstars that uh, that are like that. and would say something like that. Especially for guys that are, that are way younger than them. Um, and I think a lot of it, too, that had to do with it was the time they spent on the uh, USA team uh, over the summer. Uh, mm-hmm. They had the, you know, they had Jalen, uh, Jason, Kemba, and actually Marcus Smart was there as well. And they were able to build that kind of chemistry. Um, and then obviously Tatum signing with Jordan Brand and Kemba's a huge, uh, he's a Jordan Brand guy as well. So those guys had a trip to Paris together. So they really got acclimated with one another. Um, and I think that just helps build for, for chemistry on the court. And uh, like you're saying, with the younger guys having experience, man, I, you probably get this a lot too, and I do as a Celtics fan. You know, a lot of people are saying the Celtics are uh, inexperienced or they still have a young team to go on a deep playoff run. Like, everybody forgets, you know, two years ago that they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, um, against LeBron James. And the leaders of that team were Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. There was no Gordon mm-hmm. Hayward. There was no, you know, Terry Rozier had a, had a great run, obviously, too, to help out. But there was no Hayward and, and Kyrie Irving. Um, so I think you, like you said, you add Kemba's leadership and everything like that and him allowing the other guys, uh, to kind of do their thing. And it's been just as big, like you said, for Jalen Brown, as it has been for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown's having, he should have been an all-star this year, in my opinion. 100%. Uh, I agree. Some guys like, and that's just, you know, people are going to think, you know, we're biased because, you know, being Celtics fans, but (laughs) he's Jalen Brown had a bit, has had a better season than Kyle Lowry. Like, let's just put it at that. You know what I mean? So um, you know, I don't know what the voters were saying there, you know, they don't want maybe too many Celtics on the squad or whatever, but, um, he's definitely opened up things for those guys. Uh, and I think that's just huge going forward for them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, especially with the Jalen, uh, Jalen Brown all-star idea. Like he, it's, it makes sense. Like he, he should have been, like you mentioned Kyle Lowry. I, that's a guy that I despise. I couldn't even care less <laughs> about if he's good, if he's, if he's great in uh, crunch time, whatever it is. I literally hate Kyle Lowry. So. Jalen Brown over Kyle Lowry in my book, you know, eight days out of the week. Yeah, for sure. Um, also want to get, uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, Jason Tatum here. So he's really emerged um, over the last uh, two months or a month and a half before the season got canceled. He had that crazy month of February um, where he averaged uh, 30, you know, was averaging over 30 points a game. He was shooting 50% from the field um, and f- over 50% from three, which is just unheard of. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, in those first couple of weeks, March, he declined a little bit, but he was still averaging 25 points a game. Uh, do you think he's kind of made that next leap into superstar? Is he a superstar yet? Um, or does he think he's still got a little bit of uh, room to, to grow and, and to get into that, like top 10 in the NBA level? I think he's without, you know, ranking and I guess me putting the word superstar to a certain number, like 10 or whatever. I do think Jason Tatum's a superstar yep. and I don't think it's a fluke or anything like that because I, I want to pay note to the fact that when this happened, he gets, you know, named an all-star and then all of a sudden he goes off. That's just, it's, it's black and white. There's no gray area there. He finally got that sort of weight off his shoulders and he was recognized as a star. And then he felt comfortable enough. And if we thought he was comfortable in the past, look at him after that 
all-star nomination or all-star naming. Like he was like, oh, wow, I could just play my game because the league recognizes it. I don't have to be worried about my coach or my other players in the team. Like, let me go do my thing. And I don't know if I would be so firm on him being a superstar had it not been for um, such a line in the sand that he, you know, crossed for all the best. Like he, from that point forward, just took over. And, and it wasn't just this like slow flicking of the switch. No, he got named an all-star and then he absolutely started to go on a tear. So I do think he's a superstar. And um, you mentioned how people, you know, said he started to digress and maybe that was just like a peak in the season. I don't buy it. I mean, the game before they got canceled, he still had a 30 point night. Like he, Jason Tatum has taken that leap. And uh, the funny thing is, is he's 21. He's still not even fully leapt yet. You know, Nick Wright talked about how he's a ways away from a superstar and he needs to make a leap. I made a podcast episode about it saying, like, if Jason Tatum takes another leap like he did, like, this league's in trouble. Like, this this was his leap. He's going to get better and better. But holy crap, if Nick Wright's looking for another leap from Jason Tatum, there's there's a monster coming into this league, and it's named Jason Tatum. Yeah, I listened to that episode about uh, about Nick Nick uh, Nick Wrong, as you like to call him. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's I was not, gonna say it here, but I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure, man, because he's like he's one of the guys I can't stand him either, and it's not it's kind of with with everything. He just despises. It just seems like he like has out against certain teams. Yeah. Um, you know, for like you know, basketball, it's the Celtics. You know, I'm not gonna turn this into a football podcast, but I happen to be a 49ers fan, and the whole time he's against the 49ers and going into the Super Bowl just because he's a Chiefs fan. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's keeps his he's he's very biased uh, to his to LeBron especially in, in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Um, but anything with the Celtics, um, he's just it always needs. They need to do more to prove him wrong. And you know, I used to love the episodes where he had Chris Mannix on, and Mannix is obviously a Celtics guy, mm-hmm. and they would just go back and forth. And, and Mannix would always, it seemed to me, Mannix would always, you know, out, outsmart him on the takes yep. that he had. Um, and all he would do is revert back to numbers. And it was, it's always a numbers thing for him, and not really an eyeball test, um, which yeah. makes him wrong in a lot of a lot of cases. But uh, back to Tatum, and I think a lot of it had to do too with. Um, the beginning of the year, and I think it was pressing a little bit to try to be that all-star. And obviously he had a great season, you know, of mm-hmm. the all-star game. But I think once, like you said, he was named an all-star, it was a huge weight lifted off of his shoulder. And that's why we saw that leap from, you know, mid-season Jason Tatum to Jason Tatum that we were getting right before the season got canceled. Um, and he was consistently doing it too. I think the game before the all-star game, uh, he had 39 points against the Clippers uh, in a big win. Um, and then coming out of the All-Star break was when he really went on that on that uh, scoring spree. Uh, he had 41 against the Lakers, uh, another 40 against the Jazz, I believe. Um, so uh, in my eyes, you know, I think he is a superstar as well. Um, and plus he's got a signature move. He's got that sidestep, um, yeah. oh. and, which is unbelievable. And all, all you had, Jordan had the fadeaway. Hakeem's got the dream shake. Like every superstar – uh, has a signature move, and, and that every time he does that, I just I think it's going in. And it's it's super hard to stop. Yeah, it's crazy how much space he frees up with that. Until you watch it from like the angle from behind him, and maybe like slow it down a little bit, you don't realize because on TV it looks like it is partially contested. It's like oh, that's like a contested shot, especially if he's doing it on the opposite side of the floor from where the camera angle is. But when you see it behind him, it's like he clears a, like a solid three or four feet with that step and. He does it to his right most often, and that that defender just can't get there. And it's it's it is signature. I'm glad you called it that because it's it's starting to develop into like the Jason Tatum sidestep. And maybe he didn't invent it, but he's he's executing it better than a lot of guys. And and I I hear people talk about James Harden, but I mean, 
I don't know. He's not really a sidestep. It's more of a step back. Yeah, Harden's more more of a step back. But you know, the thing that makes like Tatum a complete player, though, like you know, he's he's a two way player. You know, he's like the Kawhi and like the, the Paul George. He does it on both ends. Uh, I believe he was also top four in the league in defensive efficiency as well. Um, and defensive rating. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's really a, a kind of a team stat, but, you know, he's on the floor most of the time for the Celtics, um, you know, when they're playing great defense. Um, and I think that's what makes the Celtics uh, one of the better teams um, in the league is just their versatility and their length on the perimeter to contest outside shots. And um, I think that's what could potentially, if the season resumes, make them the biggest threat to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. Uh, what's your opinion on that as far as how the Eastern Conference playoffs might shake out? Uh, with the Celtics and going forward if the season. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've kind of, I guess, I guess I believe I'm on record saying, I don't know, but the Bucks are really the only team uh, in the conference that I think that they'd, you know, in a, in a series they'd have trouble with. I think that they can beat any team. I think they've shown they can beat any team this season, a seven game series. I still wonder cause you know, and it's nothing against the Celtics. Like the Bucks are just really good. But, you know, in terms of the conference, like, I think a, a series against the Sixers with, one, the injuries they've had, I don't know how relevant that is going to be now, but the turmoil they've had between their stars, everything like that, like, this Celtics team, such a better team, keyword team, than a lot of these teams. But I don't know, but the Bucks worry me in terms of a seven-game series. But uh, I wouldn't, um, I think, you know, it's a 50-50 chance, in my opinion, that they beat the Bucks in a seven-game series, which... I do think, and maybe that's too harsh, too critical, or too hopeful, depending on how you look at it. I do think that that's pretty good chances for the Celtics, given how good the Bucs are. So, again, it's nothing against the Celtics saying that, you know, the Bucs are just a really good team. But I think people overlook the fact that the Bucs are deeper than Giannis. Like, their bench, they go to their bench, and they have guys um, like George Hill, Ersan Ilyasova, and they're not these huge names, but they're a lot better than some of the bench players the Celtics are rolling out there, so... Um, the Bucks do worry me, but I wouldn't, I would not bet against the Celtics in that series. So, um, but they're yeah. the only one that worry me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in this little break that we're getting, it's gonna, right, it's going to benefit all teams, you know, because Giannis was, you know, a little gimpy, you know, coming into this break. Mm-hmm. He'll be fully healthy. Even the Celtics, you had Jalen Brown who had a tough hamstring injury. Gordon Haywood was missing games. Kemba, obviously. Marcus Smart was sick, and, and then we come to find out that that potentially could have been the coronavirus. He got coronavirus, you know, yep. and he fully recovered from that now, you know. Um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were hurt for the Sixers. So this is just all these teams are now going to be – you're going to get a playoff at the Eastern Conference where everybody is 100% healthy. Even Oladipo from the Pacers, who just came yep. back, is going to get a ton of uh, ton of rest to, to heal up and, and things like point. that. You know, my thing with the, uh, with the books, though, is – do I think honestly? I think they they probably would beat the the Celtics in seven games just because home court advantage. You know the Celtics have shown over the last couple of playoff runs that they've had a tough time winning on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, even two years ago, that that series where they beat Milwaukee, every team won home games in that series. Yep. Uh, they couldn't win a road game. But the only thing that worries me about the Bucks and what maybe gives me a shot at saying the Celtics could win is like the Bucks haven't really proven anything yet. You know, two years ago, you had the Giannis-led team, and they still had Giannis and Middleton and, and Bledsoe and, and these guys, and they could not beat a Celtics team that was led by, you know, a rookie and a second-year player. And then last year, you know, when they were the top team and Giannis was winning the MVP, they choked against the Raptors. Yep. You know, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, can Giannis do it? Can he come up in those big moments? Can the Bucks, you know, can their role players step up? Um, like you said, their role players are 10 times better than the Celtics bench players. You know, I'll take... Robin Lopez over, you know, Ennis Cantor or, you know, Semi Ojale. It's like just those guys aren't going to 
come in and, and contribute a ton offensively. They have their little quirks, and Semi's a great defender, and Anis can rebound, things like that. Um, but they don't really have a spark off the bench that can kind of get you – uh, get you big points, you know, you know, they really only have Marcus Smart, who's mm-hmm. been actually starting up until, you know, once Kemba comes back, he'll go back to the six-man role. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think that might be a huge downfall for the Celtics is, is who they're going to have contribute off that bench other than Marcus Smart once they return. Yeah, I know. And 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 I've made the, the campaign and, and cry for a bench scorer um, forever now, it seems like. it's It seems... Isaiah Thomas, right? We need Yeah, him. that's... That's who I want, and and I guess I can explain myself for a second. I know a lot of people, like I've tweeted it out, and and Wizards fans are tweeting back at me, being like, "You don't even realize he's not the same." I watched him this season. It's like I I know he's not gonna be the the what was it 2016 <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. I understand that, but he's the the 2020 Isaiah Thomas is probably better than Javante Green or whatever. Like they need they just need something, and I'm kind of getting fed up with Brad Wanamaker. Um, pretty pretty fed up with him and like my idea is Isaiah Thomas or any of those any any name that you you want to throw out there like um, if, if you bring Trouble them Crawford <laughs> yeah there you go you bring any any of these guys in for you know a, a chunk of money it's not going to be like a crazy contract what's it what's the risk if they work out they work out if not you just go back to square one where you are now and clearly Danny Ainge and and Brad you kind of seem somewhat content with what you have so I don't know why you wouldn't take a flyer on a on a Crawford or an Isaiah Thomas or you know other names have been sort of thrown out to me and and I'm kind of cool with all of those names because I don't think it can hurt I don't think you bring in an Isaiah Thomas and all of a sudden the season goes down the toilet you know what I mean so yeah I don't know I agree I agree with that and I think the Wizards fans like what they don't realize is like Isaiah Thomas was a great player but let's not sit here and pretend that the season that he had in Boston wasn't partial because of Brad Stevens' systems. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever he did in in, in um, Washington, where he was averaging double figures off the bench, um, and he even started a few games there, but he was averaging double figures. Um, you bring that into into a role, a six man role, which he's very good at because he was a six man obviously before he became a starter in Boston. Um, with all the teams that he's ever been on, um, and you get back into that system that he knows really, really well, he could easily get you 10 to 15 points a night off the bench. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't see why that's not possible for a guy that's that talented and seems to be, you know, fully recovered from that hip injury. Um, yeah. And that's exactly, exactly what the Celtics need. And like you said, Danny Ainge, and you know, I don't know how much you know Brad Stevens really gets in the way of what Danny Ainge does as far as. Uh, mm-hmm building the roster and everything like that. But if you had a team where you think you could um, potentially make a run at winning a championship, you know, at the trade deadline, why not go out there and grab a bench scorer or a big man? Um, that's actually like a rim protector and a rebounder. Like, you know, the Capella was rumored or Steven Adams was rumored, you know, like all those guys, don't get me wrong. And it's, um, Daniel Tice is having a hell of a season and I'm a huge Daniel Tice guy. I love mm-hmm. what he does. I love his versatility. I love that he developed a three point shot and he can step away from the basket now. Um, but those guys like the Capellas and the Adams and, you know, even a bench score, and that's, that's what puts you over the top. You already have the superstar in Jason Tatum. You already have the great role players and, and Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown. And, and those are other all-stars as well. So you have the makings of a team and you just need a little bit more to, to kind of put you over the hump. Yeah. Which I've said before too. Like I like, you know, what would you rather be a superstar away from a championship or that one little piece? So the Celtics have done most of the legwork and, and I think a, it's a pretty good spot to be in saying like, oh, we need that one piece, one or two pieces, say it. And, you know, we're there, which is pretty great. And and one thing, you know, to 
to, to, to talk about the Wizards fans saying it's not the same Isaiah Thomas. Even in this year where the Wizards fans are now saying he had a bad year, I think he still averaged more than, um, this is a, a couple months back, but he averaged more than like Semi Ojale and Brad Wanamaker combined for points, something like that. So it's like, even even with a limited role and probably not fitting in that system clearly because they got rid of him, he still was able to score. And you touched on it real early too. Like imagine him back in a system that he knows and that, um, he's very familiar with, and that he's already thrived in before. So, um, but you know, overall, I do think the Celtics are in a pretty good place. Being like, ah, all right, we need, we need, you know, A and B, and we know exactly what we need. We got to fill those voids, and uh, you know, then it's then it's our time. That's way better than being like, ah, oh, we got to find the next guy in the draft. Yeah, exactly. And and they have, uh, like you said, that that superstar, and that's the best way to look at it. Is you're only a couple of small pieces away, and not the uh, not the superstar. And maybe you find that through the draft because they got three first round draft picks this year. Who knows if they keep all of them or if they trade them? Um, which is another huge reason why a lot of people think they should have got rid of them because you're not going to be able to keep three guys, three first round picks on the yeah. roster. You know what I mean? So you get rid of those and you bring in a guy who can tri- contribute right away. Um, which is just, you know, that's that's great that they're in that position. Uh, but you got to be, con- you can't be content with just kind of making the playoffs. I- I'd say, and you know, I think last year in the playoffs was kind of fool's gold, where you you sweep Indiana and then in the first game you beat Milwaukee and everybody's like, oh, the Celtics are five and zero in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? they're gonna go on a roll. And then you know, Kyrie wasn't really playing that well, and the Bucks just become the Bucks and and just turn it on and just you know wipe the floor with us. And and that right there, you know, should have shown that you need. You need more. You got, you got, you know, you brought in Kemba, which is huge. It takes up, you know, Kemba, in my opinion, is a better version or, or just the same as, as Kyrie as far as production on the court. You know, they virtually produce the same numbers. Um, mm-hmm. just better known because he hit that shot in Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. finals, you know, if you put Kemba Walker on that Cleveland squad, they probably win the finals still, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're numbers wise, they're, they're the same player, um, in, in my opinion. So, uh, when you add a guy like that, like we talked about earlier with him, um, and then you have the Tatums and the Browns, um, that's just a recipe for success. You know, just those couple guys, like we said, we need a bench scorer. Um, you need a guy that can just come in and get you a bucket. You know, Marcus Smart is kind of somewhat that guy, I guess you could say, but we, we all know he's super streaky. You know, he's the type of guy yeah. who's going to he's gonna, he's gonna hit three, three threes in a row or he's going to miss three threes in a row, right? Um, yep. You know, but he does the little things. You know, he's got the charges of the defense that he plays. He's he truly is the heart and soul soul of the Celtics. Um, you know, I think the most interesting thing coming out of it is going to be their first round matchup if it starts up in the playoffs because they got to play Philly right now as the current seeding, so the three seed, mm-hmm. and then they'll play the Sixers. Uh, in a matchup against the Sixers, I know you said a little bit earlier that you don't have you don't think they'd um, have any trouble with them and beating them in a seven game series. Uh, but the Sixers have kind of had our number this year. I think we're Definitely. one three against them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, with everybody healthy, do you, you kind of you still feel that way? Do you think it might go seven games, or how do you think that series might shake out? I I, I could see I could definitely see it going seven games, but I just think in a series the Celtics are way better than the Sixers, um, and especially with home court. But also like, yeah, they they've beat us a few times this year. They've had our number. You can't really deny that. But those are little one game instances. Um, players have been out and. Uh, you know, he didn't really play like a, a playoff type atmosphere, which the the Celtics, Brad Stevens has done very few times this season. And, and I've, I'm a huge proponent of just like, when you have a big game, treat it like a playoff game. And I don't want to see, you know, Javante Green getting minutes. I don't want to see a guy like Grant Williams, who I don't really, you know, I don't hate him, but he's also, I don't want to see him playing 20 minutes either. Like, 
Brad Stevens is very generous with his minutes, and that's fine to do when you're playing uh, a random team. But when you play teams like the Sixers and and um, teams of that caliber, you gotta go to more of a playoff type format where you gotta kind of run your horses into the ground. I know that that's not the best way to do it in the regular season, which is why they haven't done it. But we've seen it work. They did it against the Clippers. They've done it against the Lakers this season. They haven't really done it against the the, the Sixers, but that's mainly due to injuries. And you know, I just think if they were to play a sort of playoff rotation against the Sixers, I think that they be they can they can you know wipe them. I don't I don't know about a sweep. I don't know about five games, six games, but in a seven game series, I think that they can beat the Sixers. Honestly, no problem, especially with home court. I just think they are a better team. They're a better. Um, that that they can match up really well against the Sixers. Yeah, uh, for sure. Who do you? Um, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned about the playoff rotation and everything like that. So um, everybody knows in the playoffs you limit your rotation and you kind of dwindle it down to you know from you know a nine or ten man rotation to either a seven or eight man rotation um, in, in the playoffs. Um, obviously, we know the Celtics. You know, starting five, uh, you got Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Gordon, and Tice, and their six man will be smart. Um, who do you think might be the other two guys that could see consistent minutes in the playoffs? Do you think at those for those other two spots, the seventh and eighth spot, it's just kind of like Brad's going to roll out different kind of combinations, and and whoever's playing better at that time is is going to keep playing? Yeah, that's what I would that's what I would assume um, based on matchups and whatnot. Like, um, you know, I hate to say it, but Brad Wanamaker is that only true backup point guard. Um, Marcus Mark can definitely run the point, and I'm totally fine with that. But there is going to be nights where they need someone like. Brad Wanamaker, which I can't believe I'm even saying. That's why I wish they had a guy like Isaiah Thomas, because <laughs> the fact that you have to rely on a guy like Brad Wanamaker to me is a problem. He's great in, in doses. Like a lot of these guys, I, I you know, I, I kind of rag on Semi Ojale a lot too. And I say Javante Green, he's not even playing that much, but I use him as an example. But Semi Ojale, Brad Wanamaker, those are guys that you can certainly um, play. Like they're NBA caliber players, but when you have to depend on them and rely on them night in and night out, I think their mistakes start to come out and you know, granted, Semi Ojale has started to get better, and I could definitely see him being, um, you know, solidified in that playoff rotation because he's done it before. Like, he's covered Giannis in the playoffs before. That's a Giannis uh, stopper. Yeah, so I can definitely <laughs> see him. And I think, you know, Grant Williams and Daniel Ty, uh, sorry, Inez Cantor, like, based on what you got going on, I think um, those guys are going to play um, based on the matchup. And again, like, you know, talking eight guys here, so one night it could be Enes Cantor because they need some muscle. Then next it's going to be Grant Williams. Or next series it's Grant Williams because they need to be a little smaller and, and faster and maybe more defensively fundamental. Um, but that's kind of the issue too. Like I wish we had bench players that were just, hey, you're the eighth man. Like that we have a we have a bench that's good enough that it's like, hey, you're the eighth man. Right now it's like, oh yeah, we could play Cantor there. We could play Williams there. And it's all it sounds all fun because oh, based on the matchups, this is what's going to happen. I don't think that's that great. I think if you just have a rotation that is your rotation and you can depend on it, like that's where you kind of work your craft. So it's like it's, you said about the Milwaukee Bucks, right? They don't have anybody who can come in the game that's going to hurt them. Yeah, that's like exactly. even like Pat Connaughton or Divincenzo, Dante Divincenzo, like those guys are solid players. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to hurt them. Whereas if, if we throw in a Grant Williams, who's a rookie, doesn't have really any playoff experience um, at all, or, you know, with Ojale, or like you said, a Wanamaker, um, or even Brad down the stretch has been experimenting with Romeo Lakeford now in defensive yeah, sure. uh, games down the stretch. Like, what if he decides to go with Romeo? Yeah. Uh, I mean, these guys could surprise us, and they could play, you know, the hell of, have hell of a games. But um, it's like you said, that's going to be the biggest key 
um, I think, to competing with the Bucks. Yeah, and like uh, Robert Williams is another one of those. They have too many of these guys that are in that like, oh, could they play range? And the fact is, they have to force some of these guys to play even if they're not ready because that is their bench. Like, you know, one of the the worst bench players on the the Bucks is Kyle Korver, and he's an <laughs> an unreal shooter. Like, he he'd be the best bench player, you know, in oh, I guess yeah. in some stats, but it's it's like they it's I don't know. It's definitely uh, and these guys are all super young too. So like the Robert Williams and the Romeo Langford, they could be the the you know Marvin Williams and the Grant uh, Grant Hills of the future bench, I guess per se. But I don't know. It's it's right now they have a super young bench and it just you know in my experience a, a veteran bench, you know definitely takes the win over a young bench. Yeah. One last thing I want to get into is we talked about the Celtics versus the East. Uh, let's say they do make it to the finals this year. Obviously, we think, you know, that's a definitely a possibility. How do you see them uh, playing out against the teams from the Western Conference? I mean, they have a pretty good record against the Western Conference this year. They've won big games against the Clippers, um, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Thunder. They blew out the Lakers by 30 at home and played them to, you know, a two-point loss in that crazy game in L.A. that, that Jason Tatum had. Um I think they're a little bit more talented as far as the top. Like, I think the Clippers and the Lakers are, are, are very, very talented teams that could give them a run for their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you see that shaking out as far as them against the uh, the Western Conference Are they able if they're able to reach the finals? I think, again, I'm kind of in the same boat as when I, you know, talked about the Bucks. Like, they can beat any team. Um, but you talk about the two L.A. teams, like, those are – they're really good. And um, the Lakers, like, I don't know if – We'd face LeBron, and he's like, okay, I've having an MVP, MVP caliber season, but do I just try even harder? You know what I mean? We don't, like, that's a damn good team. They have a bench, and they have um, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and it's, it's those are going to be tough teams to beat with Kawhi, Paul George as well. Like, Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams coming off the bench is, is incredible. Um, those teams are definitely, you know, in the same boat as the Bucks, if not, in a bigger boat. Like, I think that the Celtics could struggle against them. But um, I'll say this to almost, you know, get back to the Celtics bias here. I think in a couple of years, like, the Celtics, that, 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 that flips. The Celtics are going to be the better team. Those sort of stars on the Clippers and the Lakers, they're going to be a little bit older. So right now, I would say it's probably, you know, still a, a hard-fought seven-game series against those teams. But I wouldn't bet on the Celtics. Um, but just in a couple of years, and I'm talking like two years, I think that that flips and all of a sudden it's the Celtics league. Um, obviously, there's factors that can go on outside and with other teams, whatever. But right now, if I'm just being honest and we talked about <laughs> at the top of the show that I'm not going to, you know, take let my bias just go off on the roll or on, on the rails. But I do think I'd have trouble with those teams. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can see where you're coming from as far as the Celtics will be that team and those roles will be reversed, you know, in a couple of years, especially because since they have an easier road to that, uh, to that number one spot there, like we were saying, they only got to add a few pieces. They don't have to look for that superstar because they already have right. it there. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you as far as the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, you got LeBron James and, you know, I'm not a big LeBron fan, but I respect greatness. I know he's a great basketball player. Yep. I still think he's the best player in the league, even at, you know, the age that he is. And you're giving him three, four months off before he starts a playoffs. I mean, that's kind of scary. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, I think he's going to be on a little bit of a mission, you know, so if they end up matching up against him, I think that'll be tough. Um, mm. But definitely in the same boat, like anything, you know, I think it'll be a seven game series. It'll come down to it. Um, and in the game seven, I mean, anything can happen, uh, right. you know, so um, I definitely, definitely agree with you there. 
Um, coming up to I the think it, go I ahead. think it would be a season. I, I would say I think it'd be a series that shows like the NBA world that the Celtics are real too. Like this team is here to here to play. So whether or not they win the series, I do think it'd be a statement series um, if they were to get there. Exactly, and those series are huge too, right? For like guys like free agents, yep. right? the Celtics are for real. Let's you know, I might want to go play for Boston and and things like that. And and it goes back to you know my biggest thing with them is I'm just hoping you know Danny Ainge is, isn't scared to kind of pull the trigger with something you know going yeah. forward. He's had a ton of assets he held on to and he held on to them and he you know at the trade deadlines he he's always been quiet. Um, obviously he traded for Kyrie a couple of years ago, which obviously didn't pan out. And at the time everybody was, I'm sure you were probably like, I was, I was like, Oh shit, we're getting Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. This is going to be unbelievable. Pairing with Gordon Hayward, like, and then all the injuries happen and then Kyrie is what Kyrie is. Um, and it just goes downhill. Um, but I hope Danny's not, not scared to, to get those pieces. If a deal becomes available, I hope he does pull the trigger to kind of, you know, make the team better. Um, Cause in our opinion, we, we don't know what the deals were. We don't know what he was able to do with the trade deadline. Um, right. But me and you were both kind of like on the same page, like a lot of Celtics fans, like you're one piece away. You have the assets, go make the damn deal, go get us yep. a championship, go get us banner 18. Uh, you know yep. what I mean? So um, great having you on Ev. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up here. Um, really had fun talking Celtics with you uh, before I let you go though. Um, I want to give you a chance to uh, to plug your stuff, man. Let everybody know where they can find your podcast and what you got going on. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the podcast is Ev Singleton Unleashed. It's on all of the uh, the major podcast platforms. Um, it's also on YouTube as well, so you can just search it on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at EvGuyBoston, and the podcast is Ev Unleashed. Um, Mark, I had an awesome time in this episode. It's uh, I'd love to come back at some point too, and love to have you on on my podcast too. For sure, man. I'd love to come on your podcast and talk hoops with you. This episode was super fun. Uh, look forward to doing it again in, in the very near future. And once again, just want to thank you for your time, man. Yeah, for sure. Had a blast. All right, Ev. We'll talk to you soon. Once again, I want to give a big shout out to Ev Singleton. Really appreciate him taking out the time and coming on the podcast today. Um, it was a real fun episode. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Find out everything that's going on with him and his podcast, Unleashed. Like he said, you can find it on all your available podcast platforms like apple Podcasts, uh, google Podcasts, uh, spotify all those same place that you can find us um, hoop dreams on those same podcast platforms and again myself mark belville you can follow me on twitter and instagram at hoop dreams underscore mb it's been a great episode hope you guys really enjoyed it um, and to all you hoopers out there never forget to always follow your hoop dreams Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Now more than ever... 
We need to keep families safe, supplied, and connected in their homes. Each year, the Home Energy Assistance Program by Impact Community Action helps over 20,000 Franklin County families prevent energy service disruptions, restore disconnected services, and secure seasonal energy supplies. HEAP can help your family keep the lights on, the heat warm, and your home energy supplied. Visit impactca.org or call 866-747-1038 to make an appointment. 